Radio Drama Revival is brought to you in part by Audible, who offer a free 30-day trial and free audiobook at audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Audible boasts over 30,000 titles, including a whole ton of audio drama. That's why I love it. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Thanks. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here, your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And uh, Roger has been our featured guest for the month of August. Uh, we called it our summer sizzle. We had his um, four parts of his epic story, Infidel. Um, and today, just to sort of show off the range of Roger, we are going back to a uh, production from uh, one of his earlier uh, collections called Diabolic Theater. Now, this was a collection with a whole compilation of hour-long plays. We've played most of these over the years, but not this particular one called The Silver-Tongued Devil. Uh, this is a really, really funny uh, piece that, uh, it takes a little bit of appreciation of Ireland to fully um, enjoy all the humor. Now, um, Roger, uh, I believe, went to uh, one of the universities in Cork, and that what's brought him over from Ohio originally. And um, there's a lot of humor about um, Cork as kind of this uh, cute regional dialectic uh, kind of place that's not doesn't have the same respect as the cultural centers of Ireland, such as Dublin. And uh, a lot of that is part of uh, what this show is about and and what it makes it funny um and it also uh you know feeds into this whole thing that he's explored in some of his other work such as the um time out for bill lizard type stuff where um this whole uh concept of the uh, celtic um imagination um as it's juxtaposed with the modern world um in in funny ways is is kind of at the backdrop here so again the show is silver tongue devil um about a man with a little silver charm that becomes a little bit larger than life and this is a mockumentary of what those days were like <laughs> it's a lot of fun a little bit racy but uh, i think you can handle it here adult listeners um coming up first we do have the next chunk of the cleanse this is wrapping up uh episode six this is part five of five the first five-part series we've had uh this is a fairly dark scene so uh beware of some violence this week um this is where we have one of john's loyal uh soldiers is cornered by saul's men and um brings comes to conflict this is part five episode six the cleansed enjoy Final Room Productions presents The Cleansed, Episode 6, The Dwellers, Part 5. When Saul took in Prophet's men and mixed them with his, you could see it wouldn't work. Prophet's people were buzzing around, still humming the nonsense about stopping the Republic, hoping that we would actually go out and try to save him. Save him! Save a man who left us to die when the weather got hot! 
there was nothing there to save. John Prophet and all he stood for no longer mattered. Things had changed. A new order was coming. A new mission. A greater cause. It was all going to play out like this. It was just the way things were meant to be. The hell with you, you Republic scum! Watch your tongue, worm. But I saw you! You're... You just took her! Then what's to stop me? We're better than this. We're, we're fighting for a cause. We're fighting for what we're told to fight for. Mercenaries, then. We don't answer to you. Screw off. What is the meaning of this? Are we having trouble getting along? He... He took a woman for the sport of it. Quiet! No one answers to you. Saul, we're under your protection. Yes, you're under my roof, and my rules prevail. You, what's your name? Farrell. Farrell, what's this accusation? Lies, sir. Lies. And what about the violence? He attacked me. Without provocation? Yes, sir. He lies! Silence! When Prophet fell, who among you expected to live through the day? Anyone? there a soul among you who expected to avoid death by the hands of the new republic when they came as liberators to this pathetic excuse of a city? Anyone? No! Not a soul. Because to resist the republic, to resist the change, means to die, to follow John and his idiot ways means to die. But you have not let go of him, have you? But you yourself said where we have a chance to remake society, an opportunity granted for the first time in a millennia, and you fools are following a headstrong idiot to your death! But the Republic... This is not about the Republic! Who among you believes in the Republic? <laughs> what? In this world, you find wolves and sheep. Which are you? Saul. So, for in the coming days, there will be those who join and those who die. And nothing will stand in our way. The Republic. We've got to stop the Republic. Republic? <laughs> the, the Republic is nothing. Dinosaurs roaring as the meteors rain down. The new world belongs to the young, to the wolves. Who among you are wolves? We, we are. We are. We are. <laughs> no. No. I. No. No, we have a cause. I will be. Me also. 
You were the first wolf, Zeke. No need to flatter me. But... Zeke, no! Shut up, worm! And so we see how the cards fall. Too strong. One weak. Very well. Lynch the man! Did, what? I... No! Lynch no. the man! Lynch 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 the man! No, no, please! the man! Please! Lynch the man! 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 version of The Cleansed. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety and uncut, visit www.thecleansed.com. You can purchase the entire director's cut for $1.99. Also see a full cast and crew list, exclusive behind-the-scenes video, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. Or catch us next week for another free installment. New episodes of The Cleansed will go up on this podcast for free each Friday from March through October 2012. Those are available at thecleansed.com, finalrune.com, and radiodramarevival.com. The Cleansed is a Final Rune production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalrune.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. And that was The Cleansed, thecleansed.com, for more of that show. Uh, coming up next week will be the full um, chunk Episode 7, and then um, Episode 7 is second to last. We've got one more coming up in October for you, which will be Episode 8, the conclusion of Season 1. I can't believe we are so far into the series already. We are actually just preparing to do the launch of a Kickstarter campaign this Saturday, um, September 1st. So by the time you hear this, you can probably check out um, our check out the RadioDramaRevival.com show notes, check out our Facebook page, Radio Drama Revival, or check out TheCleansed.com for um, info on how you can support the Kickstarter efforts for The Cleansed. Uh, we will uh, be working on Season 2 very shortly. Our first field session is September 8th, so you'll be hearing um, a lot of updates about that. Uh, we've got some really, really awesome things that we're working on this scene, in this series. We'll have uh, characters um, acting out scenes in a canoe. Uh, we're going to go out sailing uh, to capture some of the scenes. Uh, we're going to be down in the catacombs of uh, Mill Building doing all the sewer scenes again, um, as well as some other uh, locations in southern Maine. So it's going to be, uh, and just in general, it's a really elaborate production. Um, all the characters that have uh, you've gotten to know over season one get pushed to their limits in season two and we get to see the effects um so check all that out on the project at thecleanse.com or search facebook for the cleansed page uh, more of that there um and stay tuned for this latter half of the show we'll have dialed in has a new show out friday confessions of a chat room romeo right after roger Gregg's silver tongue devil again um, a little bit of racy content not really adult content but um questionable for work let's put it that way Silver Tongue Devil, here we go. <laughs>
listen to the dog. He's crazy. He knows what's waiting for you here. Come on in. Crazy Dog. Crazy Dog Audio Theater presents The Silver-Tongued Devil, a documentary of poetry, pretension, and possession. Diabolic Playhouse. Stimulating audio theater from Crazy Dog. I am the devil with the silver tongue. Stony lip of the sea's stripped ride first. Fingertip to fingertip. Closer we slide. Hello, I'm Eddie Merkin, investigative reporter with Public Radio National in Washington. It is hard to believe that 15 years ago, this unique tone poem was number one in the charts. I am the devil with the silver the mystical being behind the words and voice of this monumental creation was an Irish poet the world came to know as the silver-tongued devil. Hearing that voice and those words changed my life and the lives of so many others. And it continues to change and inspire lives today. We hadn't really discovered what it was to really kind of find ourselves kind of, you know, sexually until we, we started listening to his poetry. I've gone through quite a few of the CDs. I keep wearing them out. It's, I'm on my fourth or my fifth one now. You know, I just I need to listen to it every day. Every day. I carry it around with me like the Bible. I have it in my head. I've recited it. I know it all the time. It just every plays word. and plays again like a mantra in my head. Silver Tongue Devil. Silver Tongue Devil. It just blows my mind, you know? <laughs> Silver tongue devil. Yeah. Oh! But like, and everyone, like, you know, everybody in our group says they feel the same, but like, you know, it's a really personal experience. Yeah, like, it's just, yeah. it's just like, I don't know, you can't even, so profound, you can't even describe it. I was encompassed in this voice, and it, it had taken me as well. I, I can't describe it. It was, and from that moment on, he was a part of my life. I am the devil with the silver tongue. I mean, he is. The ideal man. I mean, there's no, there's no way about it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? No one will ever be like him, right. ever. I suppose not. No, never. I suppose not. No, never. It's just so powerful. It's beyond words. It's just like you're there, and he's there as well. And although he's not there, he's there. He's inside you. It's just totally inside you. And I mean, we 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 do listen to him um, every time we have sex. Yeah. Um, I mean, we. I can't remember. You know not listening to him to be honest I don't think yeah. it would be the same I think it would be quite boring I don't think so don't think so I don't think so uh, we're heading a uh, group the STD um, uh, dot, dot com is our website but it, uh, STD it's it's our own little group that we set up in college dedicated to um, silver tongue devils yeah. silver tongue devils and seduction by the sea <laughs> yeah there remains something undeniably magical about the silver tongue devil the power and influence he has exercised over so many lives is nothing short of mystical. 
there's something about listening to his voice and the words, but but you read them and then there's there's something deeper, something more profound, isn't that it? You know, there's yeah. something that goes. You can feel him inside you. Oh you know? yeah, I can feel him inside me. I play the CD and. I know this sounds a bit strange, but I find myself walking around the house naked. And yes, yes. It's like, even with clothes on, I'm naked. When I listen to the Silver Tongue Devil, it's literally like um, being in a flotation tank. Yeah, exactly. Except not floating on top, but being submerged within it. And it's and like you're floating on the words. You know, I mean, I've even got a, a silver tongue tattoo, actually, um, on my left buttock. Oh. And when the needle penetrated me, power of his poetry entering it? my bloodstream yeah and um, my fate with std was sealed oh it's a nice tattoo um the silver tone devil of course um spoke and oh my god i mean all your senses are so heightened and mm. he creates this aura and this god. it's not even aura it's it's like a it's inside you, you know. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's an insular thing. It's it's it just kind of it rings out something in everyone and something different in everyone as yeah, well. Absolutely. Like a stupendous firework display, the career of the Silver Tongue Devil, though resoundingly spectacular, was also short, very very short. For in just one year, he went from an unknown young man in the People's Republic of Cork, the true capital of Ireland, to becoming the most celebrated poetic voice of an entire generation, winning every literary award imaginable, recording an international number one hit concept album, and then, just as quickly as he burst into our consciousness and upturned the designer furniture of our lives, he disappeared. I am the devil with the silver I kind of have this personal tie to him. Um, my parents' parents were from Cork, where, as you guys know, that that's where he's from too. Oh, and yeah. I, I mean, I guess um, all the Cork people like interbred or something. So, well, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I'm definitely related to him then. And I just thought, as a relative of his, I, I have to be be there and support him when when he finally shows his face again. People say he's dead, but he's not. He's, he's out not. there somewhere, and I mean, I'd know. I'd know if he was dead. I could feel it. And Silver Tongue Devil, if you're out there, we don't believe you're dead. Come back to us. Yeah, come back to come us. Come back. Save us. Yes. You have saved us. We just want We want you to write more. We want you to talk more. And was that you and Super Quinn in sword? <laughs> we love you, Silver Tongue Devil. Seriously, was it? Uh, it's been a decade and a half since the Silver Tongue Devil was seen in public. Where has he gone? What is he doing? And above all, why? Why was his influence so great? Why did he change the course of history? Why did he disappear? And though this is not a why, but a what, what is the truth behind the rumors of his supernatural gifts? This program traces the career of the Silver Tongue Devil and seeks to answer these questions and uncover the truth beneath the magical spell of his poetry. I am the devil with the silver tongue. The career of the Silver Tongue Devil began many years ago in Cork, a small city lodged like a Veruca in the foot of Ireland. Many people refuse to believe this now, and they laugh at me. <laughs> but I know that in the beginning he was just Fimbar Lynch. Jerry Murphy Murphy, author of Tall Thin Girl Running Forwards, a book of poems for Sonia O'Sullivan. 
Fimbar's a very common name, like Gobnet, Tior, Reginald, Publius, Jehoshaphat. I see, I see. So, so you believe that at the beginning, he was just... Um... He's just another poet. You right. see, in Cork, right. like, everyone's a poet. Mm. It's always been that way. I don't know why. Eh? I think it's the fabled waters of the Lee. Right. So poetry is important. No, I'm sure in Cork, there's always poetry everywhere, right? Pouring down like rain, only not as wet. So at that time, because Cork was depressed and sad, poetry readings would take place wherever they could. Mm. In people's homes, in pubs, beside the chippers, in the chippers, on the way home from the chippers, and so on and on. Right, right. And uh, and I understand it was all very serious. Oh, deadly serious. Mm. Cork poetry is like the World Cup. Or the, 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 the Olympics and the Pope coming to Ireland all combined-like. Hmm, really? Oh, yeah. And the poet himself, then, is king. Unless it's a woman poet, in which case... Well, she's a queen, then. Yes, or a princess, if she's an old doll-like. Uh. Right. <laughs> well, that is, that is how much poetry is valued in Cork. Uh, and not just Cork, but most of Ireland as well, with the exception of Donnybrook. It goes back to the Celts. The Celts? Oh, yeah, the Celts and their Celtic way of... Of Celtic life, a, a genuine Celtic poet is feared and respected because of our link with the other world. Other world. It's a Celtic thing. I see. See, there's nothing more stinging or painful than having a Celtic poet write satiric verse about you. Hmm. Now, speaking of painful, these satires, they could uh, sometimes be... Uh, what about them? Well, I'm told they could also be quite... Them? Well, I'm told they could also be quite physical. All right, that's true. We'd be going along to a reading of, say, the Blackpool poets or up to the snobs in Montanati. And, and, you know, maybe there were experimentations with middle-class blank verse. And, and, and if there was, you know, you a, a bad line or a, or a faulty meter or, or poor word choice, we'd laugh, you know, we'd laugh and slag them, like, mercilessly. <laughs> throw, throw, you know, throw rhyming couplets at them <laughs> and hurl a jibe, Eric. <laughs> You know, you know, yeah. or, if it, or if it got serious, yeah, like yeah. we'd bash him with lumps of tarmac at him in stones. Right, right. Um, so anyway, it was it was in this this hothouse environment with this uh, festering compost of poetry that Finbar, as as you believe he was then known, began. Yeah. And what was he like? Shite. I'm sorry. Complete shite. So that's why no one can believe he was a silver tongued devil. Because, you know, he'd come along to his, with his flaming red hair and bad skin to the Long Valley Bar and have a salad sandwich and a glass of Morphys and come over just the greatest load of shite ever. Humphrey Moynihan wouldn't even let him sign the book. He was so bad. A fellow Corkman as well. Can you imagine that, like? Now, you say he had red hair. Yeah. Flaming red, like a ripe cherry breasting on a baboon's bottom, glistening crimson in the morning sun. That's kind of poetic. But anyway, the, the silver-tongued devil... He had silver white hair. No, 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 no. That came later on. You know, you know, when he changed into the silver tongue devil. At the beginning, it was red. When you say he was still Finbar. Yes. Then it wasn't too long after that that the Trifle Arts Centre began their series of Sound as a Bell Works, Evenings of Poetry and Performance Art. Right. And, and this was big. Oh, oh, very big. Very, very big. Mm. The Sound as a Bell Works shows packed a place. Every seat in the Trifle Arts Centre would be packed packed with people as well. Mm. And in, you know, in those days, you know, you didn't need to have a single well up the charts or three or four best-selling books of poetry like you do now, you know. Right, right. <sighs> and did this Finbar Lynch appear at any of these uh, performance and poetry art happenings? Things? He, he did, yeah. Once. And he was yes. shite. Mm. What? What? You, you don't believe me? Mm. Just go back over the sound as a belt tapes and hear for yourself. What, there are recordings? Of course. 
This is Cork, by. We record everything. Despite the prestige, power, and his palatial mansion afforded him as poet laureate of Cork, Jerry Murphy Murphy remains very much alone in his belief that somehow Finbar Lynch and the Silver Tongue Devil were one and the same. You know this guy, Jerry Murphy Murphy. Yes. I consider myself, you know, the 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 lesser, because I'm just Jerry Murphy. Like most poets, the lesser Jerry Murphy dismisses Jerry Murphy Murphy's theories about the Silver Tongue Devil. For Murphy Murphy to come along and say that he was a single, you know, he went through some sort of transformation and became the Silver Tongue Devil, I mean, there's no way we would have believed him. Like, it was just too much. This guy was talentless. Despite his dismissal of Murphy Murphy's belief in some kind of magical transformation of Finbar Lynch, the lesser Jerry Murphy does recognize there was something supernatural about the silver-tongued devil's charisma. In his presence and listening to the voice, there was, it was just, I don't know, some people talk about Hitler had this sort of charisma that, um, you know, people talk about women fainting at his speeches and his... You know, there must have been some some element of that there with um, the silver tongue devil. Right. So some some kind of magical, nefarious even, some kind of demonic power he had, possibly? Yeah, possibly, because, I mean, there was no way to explain it after, you know, it was after, as I was saying, you know, you were sort of slightly embarrassed by the fact that you were carried away to that extent. You're saying, what what happened, you know? Right. Was something in the water? Something in the water. And, <laughs> and to this day, he's still uh, very much a, a, an icon in Cork. Oh, yeah. And, if you, if you listen, and, and the funny thing is, if you listen to the recordings, it still has the same, not as, not as strong, though, as, as a, a live performance, but the recordings still have that sort of power to sort of um, shift you to one side and you're saying, fuck it, it still works, you know? Fortunately, the Trifle Arts Centre, aware of its central role in modern history, maintains extensive archive recordings of every Sound Isabel Works program, thus preserving this precious legacy for all humankind. For indeed, my investigations led me to an unassuming cassette tape from 15 years ago. In the rare script of a sober corkman, scrawled on the cover is a listing of poets who appeared that fateful evening. Near the bottom appears the name Finbar Lynch, next to which someone had written Shite. Here is a segment of that performance featuring the inauspicious beginnings of the young Finbar Lynch, who, Jerry Murphy Murphy believes, was somehow to become the silver-tongued devil. Please excuse the poor sound quality of this rare historic recording. <laughs> How about a big hand for the Berserker Symbiosis Ensemble? Come on, Danny, bring on the board. Look at the pole on, will you? Finbar Lynch, Finbar Lynch, Finbar Lynch, just just speaking to the microphone, dear. Love by Finbar Lynch. That's that's me. Okay, so, um, um, uh, when the moon is stark and the sun is bright, then the night is 
dark and there is light. Oh no, please, I just, I just want Jeez, I remember that night. Jerry Murphy Murphy. We broke the tape recorder that night and all the criticism. Actually, we broke the recorders every night. And later then, when video came in, we broke those as well. Now, of course, it's all digital and... Those are very easy to break. I think it was a week later then that he was back. Only no one knew it was him but me. Hmm. He was completely changed. Hmm. He looked different. He sounded different. And, well, you know, you know, the rest is history. But if Jerry Murphy Murphy is correct, who was this young man destined to become the Silver Tongue Devil, then known simply as Finbar Lynch? Finbar was a lad working on the roads for the county council. This is Senior Cork County Council Supervisor Garaud Ulira. He worked for the county council and therefore spent many years meditating and reflecting and playing cards all along the Lee. The River Lee. Indeed, the Lee. The fabled waters of which the people of Cork blame for so much. You mean their unique colourful character? We say Spadgy. Yes, I've heard that. The Spadgy character of Cork. For all of Ireland is Spadgy, and Cork is the spaggiest of all. We have the only stretch of straight road in all of Ireland, running, or as we say, fleeing, between Cork and Ballincollig, and this goes along between the tallest building and the longest building in all of Ireland, on the banks of the fabled waters of the Lee. Coincidence? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, tell us of young Finbar Lynch. He, he worked with you? He did indeed. Though he wasn't long with us, he mysteriously disappeared. Oh? You see that tree over there? Um, oh yes, yes. Well, there used to be a mile and a half of road between us here and that tree there. Weaving back and forth. So we were digging it all up and straightening it. Moving the earth this way and that. See over there? Oh yes, that... That mound? Well, let me think now. It's either this one or the one over there. I'm after forgetting, but one of them is anyway. From the roadworks, and the other is from the, um, you, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the, them. Ah, ah, yes, the Celtic fairy spirits, the she. Shh! We don't want to say that. I don't? No, no, no. Not here you don't. Okay. So this young Finbar, he, he worked right here. Well, work is a word that we use to encompass our many activities with the council. Finbar was only a young lad then, you see, so he was what we called a dog's body. Dog's body? What, what is that exactly? Well, it was his job, you see, to run along, run along the road into whatever town was nearby and bring us the paper, jammy dodgers, Barry's tea, 20 majors, the lotto, or whatever we need for our work processes in the shed. Shed? Our base of operations. I see. So Finbar actually left the shed. Yes. Now, one day, uh, it was his last day with us. I'll never forget it. We were near Gugambara then, in the back of beyond, like. Gugambara is the, um... Near the source of the River Lee, where St. Finbar taught long ago. And before that, it was a sacred place to the Celts. Dolmens all about, standing stones, ohms, holy wells, pubs, and other sacred sites. I see. So Finbar was there. Indeed he was. It was about... Nine in the morning, and it was time to start thinking about lunch. So I said, Finbar, says I, Finbar, come over here to me. There's a good lad. Now, get us all some chips, right? Here's a fiver. So off he goes, and... Oh, well, there you are. 
There, there we are, what? Well, he never returned. Oh. Uh, no, no, it couldn't have been him. Unless, well, unless he was completely transfigured, but you see, that's not possible. Transfigured? You see, the lad who returned, his hair was all white, and his voice was deep and mesmeric. The only word for it, mesmeric. Hypnotic, spellbinding, bizarre, mad-like. That's five words. Oh, yes. So you don't think it was actually the same person? No, no. This silver-haired lad's skin was clear of spots, and Finbar, God love the state of him, he was shocking. Now, I know that puberty can affect a young lad, but this was all the space of an hour. Very odd indeed. You might even say it was magical. Magical? Magic boy. There he was, this lad, this silver-tongued devil, wearing that silver thing around his neck, brightly shining it was too. Ah, the silver talisman, the medallion he always wore that became his trademark. The same. Well, the light was shining all around him, a rainbow arching over his head, and that voice, oh, that voice, like an angel's or a god's, I'll never forget it. And uh, and then what happened? Well, as I said, we didn't know who it was at all at all, so I said, please don't hurt us. If we're after disturbing anything of yours, we'll put it back. I was bowing down, like. Bowing down? Oh, yes. I thought maybe we were after disturbing the good people, right? You know, that way. What way? That way. Forget it, sir. But them. Well, we'll just say no more. It's a Celtic thing. Anyway, he starts laughing, and he says, Lads, do you not recognize me? And we, we said, No, who are you? And he said, It's me, sir, Finbar. And we said, Get away out of that. You're not Finbar. There's no way. Like, and he says, Well, it is, sir. Who else would it be? And then I said, Well, if you're Finbar, where's me chips? And that's when we had a bit of a punch up, like, and he left. I'd been in Papastor in, in the Shetlands. It was a um, long, complicated reasons for being there involving um, a misunderstanding husband and some very bad acid. Theo Dorgan, poet and leader of the 1975 Cork insurrection. I'd heard stories coming out of Cork of this extraordinary poet and came back and standing on the corner by Woodford Bournes one day, I think it was Jerry Murphy. Was it Jerry Murphy or Greg Delante? Sort of stood back in awe as this figure went past and so that's the silver-tongued devil, you know. What about the, his, his place in, in, in Irish poetry? Um, Galway Cannell, the American poet, says that um, writing a poem is like being struck by lightning. You only get struck by lightning five or six times in your life. The trick is to keep going out into the bad weather. But lightning strikes. I mean, it flashed in micro-Disney. Five go down to the sea. You know, lightning hit Cork quite a few times. The silver-tongued devil was possessed by lightning and was as ruthlessly discarded by lightning when lightning had found somewhere else to strike, as if he had never existed. Fortunately, the history of the first appearances of the silver-tongued devil in his hometown are preserved in the Silver-Tongued Devil Museum and Visitor's Center located in Fitzgerald's Park, alongside the mystic waters of the River Lee. It is here that a special multimedia display attempts to put across to the thousands of visitors each week the sheer hysterical devotion to the silver-tongued devil among the people. Here is a portion of him appearing on Cork's most popular radio phone-in show, Cork Out and Without. Hello to you all, this is Steve Bulging and you're listening to Cork Out and Without. We have with us today a man, a Corkman, a true Celtic poet who is, I'm sure, about to take the world by storm. He is, of course, the Silver Tongue Devil. Good day to you, sir. Good day. 
Yeah, well, uh, what can I say? Um, let's uh, I'm sorry, dear listeners. I, I, it's just I'm in the presence of this man and it's... What, I, I never felt the likes of it, to be honest with you. Just relax, Steve. You're doing fine. I, 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 I can't help but noticing that little silver charm you're wearing there. Oh, this? Huh? I always wear this around my neck. It makes me who I am. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's lovely. Uh, thank you. Well, um, right, I can see that your phones are all flashing, like, with the many callers trying to have a word with you. So, uh, let's let's take the calls. Um, this is uh, Bernice from Blarney Street. Hello, Bernice. Hello. Is this Cork out and without? It is, I. Is he there with you? He is. Can I speak to him? You can, of course. Hello. Is it yourself, the so-called silver-tongued devil? Hello, Bernice. Come here to me. I have a bone to pick with you. Mm, what is it? I just want to say that my daughter has... Well, she's just 16. 16? That's lovely. Yes. And it's absolutely shocking what she's after doing with your picture. Oh? You're a disgrace, oh yeah. Am I? You may think you're one of them heathen Celtic poets dashing about sowing your wild oats wherever you please. But we're decent people here in Blarney Street, so we are. I hear such beauty in your voice, Penny. Uh, you what? It is carried on the air across the sky like undulating waves. Well, well I... I well, go, go on. I'm thinking of you, Bernice. Now, how brave you are. Oh. see you. I see you now. Oh, yes. I feel like we're connecting. Oh. How do you feel that? Me? You? Softly oh. slowly. Yes. 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 Oh. Oh, My voice flickers over you and pinches oh. like the fingers of the wind, oh. stroking the white sands yes. along the strand yes. of the boundaries of Cork could not hold him for long. He was, of course, destined to give himself to the world. And so he soon ended up on the national stage of Ireland in Dublin's fair city. You can tell the tourists in Dublin because they're the only ones who use the litter bins. Dublin, beneath all the litter, is actually quite boring. Beneath all the litter, like... Uh, Dublin, you know, it used to be a good place to live before the Africans and all the Chinese arrived and started creating jobs themselves. Yes, Dublin, the national capital of Ireland. While Cork is curvaceous and voluptuous in its human and geographical topography, Dublin, in contrast, is pretty much flat, has stains on its trousers, smokes too much, and aside from its arrogant pride at having the size and population of an average town in New Jersey, is truly quite unremarkable. We like to smash up bicycles for no reason. Like Hollywood, the creative talents and visionaries which Ireland so generously gives the world almost invariably come from counties outside the culturally desolate capital. See, when the silver-tongued devil burst on the scene, uh, you know, there was no scene. Well, not, not a scene as we know it today. There was a view, a poetry view rather than a scene. Poet Patrick Chapman well remembers the explosive impact the silver-tongued devil made on the national consciousness. Then the silver-tongued devil came along and inspired us all. I know he inspired me to get into poetry. Apart from that, I figured the hours are good and you are your own boss. 
Plus you get girls, lots of girls. That's what they told me when I applied to be a poet down at the job centre. They said there's nothing Irish women like more than a successful poet with a steady job. And I figured one out of three wasn't bad. And so when I got into poetry for the hours and the respect of my peers and the women, I found that I had the hours all right, but the silver-tongued devil, or STD if you will, He had all the women and therefore he had the respect of my peers. On any given day, at any given hour, somewhere in Ireland, there is a flaw in full swing. There are flaws or festivals for every group, occasion and excuse. Here is a sample of the flaws held in Ireland just this past weekend. Traditional dancing eight-car pilot at the crossroads fla. Writers drinking weekend big Crayola fla. Celtic film naval geezers fla. Celtic music fla. Tweeds and jumpers handwoven plastic bullets crafts fla. Alternative new ways tiger penis traditional medicines unwashed crusties fla. The children of Irish Derek Spatican family reunion fla. Diverse persons gathering in the doorway just to get out of the rain fla. Calf potato figurine moving statue high jump fla. Lovely seniors reading newspapers in libraries fla. The But without question, the biggest flaw of the year is the annual Poetic Champions Composing Poetry Slam flaw. And it was at this that the silver-tongued devil exploded onto the national stage. Seeing him, you know, seeing him when he was in his prime, it was quite something. It was like seeing Elvis back from the dead in a band with Kurt Cobain and Joe Dolan. It was like being the ice in Dylan Thomas's last scotch. It was like as if John Lennon had ducked. A moment fit to die in. Making every inch of earth a bed to lie in. You are beautiful, alive, electric and young. And I am the devil with a silver tongue. Up the week! Help! No, no, don't touch my silver charm! Let go! Stop violating Typically, it was the silver-tongued devil in the right place at the right time saying the right words with the right voice. Again, luck of the Irish or something more. In one stroke, that appearance secured for him complete dominance of the Irish poetry scene, the effects of which are still felt to this day. But his rise to dominance in his native country also evoked that other favorite pastime of the Irish, namely what is known locally as backbiting, a feature of the festering suspicious resentments, petty rivalries, bitter jealousies, the brine, if you will, which flavors the waters of the Irish soul. Nowhere was this brine so strong as among Irish academia. Well, of course, the silver-tongued devil had some minor merit, but only in the shallow sense of changing world history. Senator David Norris, member of the Senate of Ireland and lecturer in English at Trinity University. Real literature, uh, the kind of refined writing that academics can build careers around interpreting, requires a condom-like protective layer of draconian copyright laws in order to prevent its accessibility by the common man. I'm afraid the estate of the silver-tongued devil never grasped this. Perhaps it was because he was from Cork. How would that affect it? Well, Cork, you see, it's bound too tightly to the unwashed, earthy Celtic tradition. Perhaps it's the fabled waters of the Lee. I'm not sure. Such a pity. Why is it a pity? Oh, so many academics made redundant. You see, we inform the masses of their opinions and tell them what to feel, as it were. Uh, popular writing, like the silver-tongued devil, that is adored and known off by heart by the common man, requires none of this. 
Hence, it's not very good for, from an academic point of view. You see? Um, I think so. But the silver-tongued devil was very handsome. I will give him that. With that open shirt and that silver charm resting on his muscular bronze chest. And that voice. Oh, that voice. I play his record all the time in Cyprus. <laughs> Having conquered Ireland... The United Kingdom was next. Despite being Irish, the silver-tongued devil, of course, completely radicalised the place of poetry in the consciousness of humankind. Dr. Donald Oxford, Emeritus Professor of English Literature and author of The Silver-Tongued Devil, A Study of the Silver-Tongued Devil. What I believe he brought to poetry was something that had been lacking for over a generation. And what was that? A relevance to human life. Oh. Also, he was sexy. Sexy? Oh, Very. And this is important? But of course. That's why people become poets. Oh, uh, the sex? Yes, that and the money. All poets of the Celtic tradition, of course, score sexually all the time. But the silver-tongued devil was just right off the graph. I don't think there was ever a man or a woman in his presence who wasn't drawn towards him. I know I was. Again, the silver-tongued devil was eerily in the right place at the right time. Within hours of his first reading, he became the most talked-about man in all of London. Being hailed by the English as the poet of the century, in turn secured the silver-tongued devil's dominance at home in Ireland. Since the Irish, traditionally, cannot let themselves appreciate the value of anything or anyone until the English tell them it's good. After conquering England and Ireland, there remained only the rest of the civilized world and America. And this is precisely what happened. At the beginning, there was no intention of working together. It was just a chance meeting at a party in London. I was on tour at the time. The tempestuous and controversial performance artist, Laurie Cummins, co-creator of the smash-hit concept album of tone poems, The Silver-Tongued Devil. He had come straight from a poetry reading in Cambridge, and he was hot. Everyone wanted to meet him. Hmm. And you approached him? Yeah, but not because I was trying to boost my career or bourgeois standing or anything. No. No. I just wanted to have sex with him. Well, we all did, of course, but with me it was definitely special. I felt this strange urge to be near him. I know everyone says that, but he and I clicked right away. Clicked? Definitely. We clicked three or four times that evening. Mm -hmm. And then later, when I was lacing up my Doc Martens, I said, and I don't know what made me say it, but something made me say it. I said, hey, I know. Let's do an album together. I'll do the music, you read your poetry. And then he gave me that, you know, that famous smile of his while he was twiddling his thing. His thing? You know, that little silver charm he always wore. Ah, all right. And so uh, what was recording the album like? Mm, intense. He was, well, beyond. Beyond? Beyond. Beyond what? Words. Um, how so? I can't say it. It's beyond words. But can you not try to Look, articulate... you can't contain this. You can't box this in with a box or label it with a label or stick a label on a box. You know, you're killing art. No, no, you misunderstand. I oh, don't, don't tell to me do... I misunderstand. Uh, I am Laurie Cummings, the performance artist. Well, yes, of course, but see, the I'm The last only... truly original record that made it to number one, that broke the rules, that took us beyond the pat formulas, was my record. Yeah, oh. but that's my point, you see. I just want to analyze... Even his breathing, his snoring was poetry. You know, it penetrated you. 
filled you inside. His voice, the words, they possessed you in ways you cannot possibly understand. I know. Uh, don't insult me. I'm not. I just need to... You, you have serious male aggression issues. No, I don't. I just wanted to ask you, you about... You are violating my creative ow, ow. mind space. Please, uh, don't stop getting... Ow! Ow! Please. This is what I think of your staid, lifeless, soulless, soulless, boring Rolling Stone magazine. Wait, no, I'm not with the Rolling Stone magazine. I'm with the radio. I'm with the radio. Spouting more lies of your corporate masters. No, I'm not. I'm with the radio. Don't hit me. I'm with the radio. The radio. Uh, Wait a second. Hold on just a second. Let Let me look in my diary here. Oh. The radio guy at two and the magazine guy at three. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, do you have a do you have a tissue or something? What? I'm. Um, I think I'm. I'm bleeding here. It's, oh, it's on the here. carpet and everything. I just, Let me see. What? No, no, I'm, I'm all right. It's just um, I just need a tissue to wrap over that. But, it's but all you're just, shaking. Yeah, I'm just dizzy. That's all. Well, let's take a shower. What? Thanks to Lori Cummins' insistence that the tape recorder continuously roll, I'm able to play a rare outtake of the fantastically creative compositional process. And if you listen closely, you'll note that this recording may also be revealing something else. Okay, okay, come on, come on, come on. Are we ready? Right, let's do something. I'm ready, Lori. (laughs) You're always ready. I know, I can't help it. Let's try something fast this time. Uh, 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 uh. Is that okay? I can do it fast. I can do it slow. I can do it any way you like. Oh, I know you can. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm, yes. Yes. Hey, this is another song. Yes. We're then going to show you Ah, uh, this is a song, oh. I think. One, two, three, four. No one in sight No one in sight Just you and me Let's do it Let's dance in the sea Wave on wave Where's me charm? What happened? Oh god, I got Oh no, it's here somewhere Wait a minute What's going on in there? What's going on? It fell off. Don't move anyone or you have to find it. It fell off the chair. Here it is. Oh, what a relief. This is my session. I really have to know what's going on. It's okay. Just everyone relax. It's cool, baby. Yeah? What? I just felt the need to spice up the stimulation, didn't you, baby? Uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on, everybody. Come on, guys. Let's do it! Wait! Do you know what this needs? What? The sea. The sound of the sea. Can we do that? Mark. Yeah? Yeah, give us the sound effect of the ocean. Come on. Uh, Just go with the feeling, babies. You got it. Here's your ocean. I am the devil with the silver tongue. The album The Silver Tongue Devil was released without fanfare, and within three weeks, it and the single release Seduction by the Sea were number one in the charts. On the wind pulled in by the winter tide, 
on the stony lip of the sea's stripped bride first fingertip to fingertip closer we slide like everything about the silver tongue devil the gripping spell of this record cannot be explained there were some objections of course from arts columnists politicians religious leaders and other malignant groupings all naturally suspicious of the liberating powers of poetry but nothing could take the place of the silver-tongued devil in the hearts of the people he became the darling of america at the height of his fame he appeared on rahita lewinsky america's most popular afternoon television talk show Yes, thank you. We have something very special for all of you today. Now, if you're a member of my book club, you know that the number one bestseller in America for the past two weeks has been this little book here. <laughs> yes, yes. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. A poetry book has never, ever made the bestseller list, ever. Yet this book here... Is number one. Yes, 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 and that's not all, because it's now out as a record, and that's number one in the charts. Everything about this, this amazing phenomenon, is 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 unexplainable, even inexplicable. Let's meet him, because we have with us today. Here in the studio, the man, the poet, the voice, we all only know as the silver tongue devil. Yes, I try. Please stop. Thank you. I'm so very happy to be here with you today and to have this chance to be alone with you like this. Because you are all so beautiful. And I really mean that. I love your hair. <gasps> oh. Go on, Rita. How? How do you explain? I'm sorry. I can't even think of the words. That's okay. It's okay. How do you explain you? Me? I'm just a poet. What is your secret? My secret? Yes. It's this. Yes, that little charm round your neck. It's uh, on the cover of your book. Mm. Is that some kind of Irish thing? Yes, it's Celtic. <laughs> what is it? It's a tongue. See? All right, a silver tongue. Silver tongue devil. Yes. I get it. That's beautiful. You always wear that, don't you? Yes, I never take it off. Even when we take everything off, I don't take it off. Right. It's the source of my gift. <laughs> He's gorgeous, isn't he? He's such a kidder. Such a great sense of humor. So very warm. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, uh, uh, 
questions from the audience. You there in the second row. Hi. Hello. I just want to ask. Of course. Can you just say some of your poetry? Of course. You are beautiful, alive, electric, and young. And I am the devil with a silver tongue. The Silver Tongue Devil had arrived. He was awarded America's highest cultural honor when he played himself on an episode of The Simpletons cartoon series. What do you have there, you old Silver Tongue Devil, with your tongue of silver, you? Just give me a muff beer. Hey, I know you! You're that Irish poet! You know it. Wow, that rhyme! It was one year to the day when the Silver Tongue Devil first spoke his verse in public that he returned home to his native city. And it was here that tragedy struck. Any Corkman today can tell you where they were and what they were doing that fateful evening. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report from our despondent Cork correspondent. Are we on? Are you sure? Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, there are no words to express or describe what is just after happening here on the grounds of Fitzgerald's Park beside the fabled waters of the River Lee. Our news team was here to cover the triumphant return of the silver-tongued devil to his native home just a few moments ago at 8.17pm. He was moving through the crowd of people. Please bear with me, I'm very upset. Do we have the tape? Quick, quick, go to the tape! Tongue Devil, how does it feel to be back in your native city? Ah, it's great. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm so glad to be back home. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, please. Leave, leave, go. Don't, don't touch me, please. Oh, oh, please, leave, go. Please, leave, go. The River Lee was searched, and all of Cork Harbour and the Irish Sea from as far as Mizzenhead to Baltimore. But strangely, no body was ever found. So what happened? Many have their theories. One, though utterly incredible, does seem to fit the facts. The man calling himself the Silver-Tongued Devil was obviously possessed. Healer and High Priestess of the Jerking Circle of the Green Celtic Crystal, Quiva Nimorku. Now, the power of the poet has always been feared in Ireland. The constant sex, the wealth, mm. the scathing satires, mm. the need to lie down in a darkened room with a towel over your head. Mm. The silver-tongued devil fits this pattern perfectly. Um, but how can you be certain? The same way we're certain about all of the magical arts of the Celts. Oh, um, archaeological evidence? Ah, not at all. Mostly it's psychic intuition. Psychic intuition? Feelings. So your beliefs about the ancient Celts are all based on... Uh... Feelings, but real feelings. Real feelings. But, uh, but what about real proof? Well, there is this. That little clear stone on a string? It can take us to the other world. Now? Yes, now. Let us go. Do you want to go? Uh... Do I need a jacket? No. Just clear your mind. Okay. 
We are opening the other world. We are? Yes, there. Cut the end with fast the gunnament, the Jerna Galchella. Neil Trach, there will cash not Iluk, sneakling for a clang bra. Now, ask your question. Okay, um, let's see, uh, what, no, who, who was the silver-tongued devil? Good question. Oh, thank you. Now, the answer, the fabled tongue of the arch-druid in Philly, me of the Miletians, was cut off and buried beside the fabled waters of the River Lee. Why was his tongue cut off? The High King feared his verse. Also, he was very annoying. Oh? For me was, in fact, the god Lu in human form. Let me guess, the god of poetry, right? Yes. Me's tongue was dipped in silver, buried under the ground, under the sky, under a mound, under a dolmen, beside a tree on which a raven sat, who cackled and gave birth to the river Lee. Making the place a sacred source of druidic wisdom, the poetic gifts, and of course... Water? Yes. Oh. Water, fabled water. And there at the source of the Lee, the tongue remained buried, protected by the she, the spirits of the other world. Uh, and Cork County Council. Yes, hmm. they helped as well. And there it remained, pouring its magic into the fabled waters. Until someone, a young man perhaps, stole the silver tongue from the she, placed it round his neck, and found poetry forever on his unworthy lips. I see. So it was the little silver tongue medallion all along, and in the end... It was drawn back full circle and returned to the fabled waters. (sighs) There, enough. No more. Ask me no more. Well, uh, (laughs) that was certainly uh, interesting. Um, Thank you. Um, uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, One more thing, Mr. Merkin. Uh, Yes? Our arrangement. What? Public Radio National, coast to coast. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, of course, go ahead. go ahead. Is it running? Uh, well, yes, it better be. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, it's running. Good. You can find out more about the tradition of the... Oh, pardon me. That's okay, go ahead, try it again. You can find out more about the tradition of the Celtic Way and the jerking circle of the green Celtic crystal by reading my book, The Tradition of the Celtic Way by Quiveny Warrico. It's published in paperback by Looney Press. That's The Tradition of the Celtic Way by me, Quiveny Warrico. Thank you. There, did you get that? Yes. You won't cut that bit out now, right? No, no, it'll stay in. Good. You know, in some ways, it's more revealing than your crystal. Oh, thank you. In an effort to tie up the loose ends, I managed to catch up to a young corkman with red hair named Finbar Lynch to see if I could clear up the mystery and test Jerry Murphy Murphy's theory that Finbar Lynch and the silver-tongued devil were somehow one and the same person. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hey. Excuse me. Are you, uh, are you Finbar Lynch? Who wants to know? I do. Who are you? I'm... I'm Eddie Merkin, and I'm with the American Public National Radio, okay? And, and I just have a few questions. Uh, please, please, can you stop? No, go away. I've nothing to say. Uh, but I, I just need to ask you something. Leave me alone. I'm a nobody, all right? Uh, but Jerry Murphy Murphy says you, you, are the silver-tongued devil. Come here to me now, right? That Jerry Murphy Murphy, right? 
He is the poet laureate of, of the People's Republic of Cork. That may be, but he's also a lawyer, a chancer, a scumbag, marathon runner, and a complete messer. Ask anyone who knows him. Now leave me alone. Wait. Wait, are you? Are I what? Are you the silver tongue devil? No! Are you Queen of England? Now back off and don't be happy! Wait! No, listen! I need to talk to you about this. It's quite important. Look, my whole life has been spent looking for you. I know you. You're him, right? You're him? So there you have it, the history and mystery of someone or something the world only ever knew as the Silver-Tongued Devil. On the wind pulled in by the winter tide, on the stony lip of the sea's stripped bride, first fingertip to fingertip, closer we slide. You're prepared not to like somebody like that because you get the hype beforehand and you say, well, get out of it. Like. But he had this amazing quality that just blew all your objections away and you were just entranced by him. Back then, you see, Cork was very, very depressed, really. Suicidal. Chronic. There was chronic everywhere. Not at all like Cork today, where the people are happy all the time. Really? Yeah. So they've made us cultural capital of Europe, right? I'm sure we always knew that. And we're not going to give the capital back either. He thought he was a druid. He was he was going to go and live in a tent in Gugan Barra. And sure isn't that where the silver-tongued devil ended up, or started from? Long ago, poets, and not just the Celtic ones, actually spoke in ways the average person could understand. Really? Oh, yes, that's true. Still, you know, people will swallow anything. The more indecipherable, the better it must be. Especially if you've got family connections, Morty. Well, a life without poetry, you know, is just incomprehensible to me. You know, it's just just so crazy. I mean, but then you have something like the Silver Tongue Devil come along, and it just blows, well, your mind. I am the devil with the silver tongue. Since its disappearance, poetry has returned to its darkened, neglected corner in the recesses of the mind of the world. Only in cock, only in cock, am I made to bleed for my art! You've been listening to the 
silver-tongued devil from Crazy Dog Audio Theatre's Diabolic Playhouse. Written, directed and produced by Roger Gregg and featuring David Murray, Susan Zalouf, Anne Byrne, Morgan Jones, Roger Gregg, Morris O'Donoghue, Marcus Lamb, Zia Moher. With contributions from Patrick Chapman, Jerry Murphy, David Norris, Roger McGough, the Gaiety School of Acting Class of 2004 and Theo Dorgan. Visit us at crazydogaudiotheatre.com Silver Tongue. And that was Roger Gregg's Silver Tongued Devil, Crazy Dog Audio Theater, theaterre.com, the Irish way. Um, and now uh, we've got dialed in. This is Oral Stage Studios production Friday Confessions with Chat Room Romeo. A new audio series from Oral Stage Studios. Hi, I'm Matthew Boudreaux, and you're listening to Dialed In. This week's episode, Confessions of a Chatroom Romeo, by Stephen Bailey, starring Gita Arbor and Joe Stofko. Hello, and welcome to the Center for the Treatment of Cyberpsychoneuroses. I'm Dr. Anita Anderton, a counselor. May I ask your name? Uh, If it's all the same to you, I'd rather not say. Of course. Many of our callers prefer to shield their identities. And you despise them for it, don't you? What makes you think that? I can hear it in your voice. You're projecting, I'm afraid. In our view, anonymity is too readily associated with cowardice. We see it in a more positive light, as a springboard to liberation. I don't doubt you're on the up-and-up, but a person in my position can't be too careful. I understand. If you want, we can assign you a pseudonym, or you can choose one yourself. Online, I usually go by Nemo. That's Latin, you know, for nobody. A good choice. I like it. I also need to ask you, Nemo, how you heard about us. From Dear Abby. The advice columnist. I wrote to her. She gave me your number. I've got the correspondence in my pocket. Shall I read it to you? Please. Dear Abby... I'm a 60-year-old stockbroker, married, and the father of three grown sons. I'm well-respected in my profession, in the community, and at my church. I don't like to hold myself up as exemplary, as which of us is perfect, but even a judge as fastidious as you would have found little in my life to reproach me with till a few months ago when I happened on a certain Internet chat room and was transformed by it almost overnight into a madman. Oh, I'm not exaggerating. Since my discovery of that room, I've spent every possible moment vying for the attention of the women in it and the rest of my time longing to be among them. Abby, I know my behavior is bizarre and self-destructive, but I can't seem to control it. Guide me, I beg you. I place myself in your hands, Chat Room Romeo in Connecticut. And you say you have her reply? Oh, yes. Here it is. 
Dear Chat Room Romeo, internet addictions such as you describe are much more common than you might think. You don't have to look far for help, however. The Nonprofit Center for the Treatment of Cyber Psychoneuroses has therapists available around the clock who have an impressive record of achieving cures in as little as a single session. Call them toll-free at... This exchange was published... Some weeks ago. So you didn't immediately act on her recommendation? I started to, several times. But the idea of giving up the marvelous women in that room was more than I could bear. And then, to be honest with you, Doctor, my feelings were hurt. I've been counting on Abby to take personal charge of me, but she made it sound as though my situation was too drearily commonplace to be worth her valuable time. What suddenly made you decide to contact us, then? A near disaster. Today at the office, a colleague walked in on me without knocking, surprised me in the midst of three very intimate conversations. Three? At the same time? Absurd, isn't it? <laughs> if I hadn't had the presence of mind and the reflexes to close my browser, oh, I might have been seriously compromised. Well, Nemo, I congratulate you on your narrow escape from embarrassment, but the important thing is, you've finally reached out to us. The question now is whether I'm the right counselor to accompany you on your quest for recovery. Why shouldn't you be? For one thing, I'm a woman. So's dear Abby. Yes, but many men, I'm almost tempted to say most, find it difficult to defer to the judgment of a woman. Oh, I'm well aware of the deplorable persistence of sexism. But I can assure you, your gender is no problem to me. And far from it. There's nothing I like better than deferring to an intelligent woman. I'm also much younger than you. Barely half your age. That wouldn't bother you. On the contrary, I find the prospect of being taken in hand by a young woman uplifting, Anita. <laughs> May I call you Anita? I think not. I'd rather you call me doctor. Yes, of course. My apologies for forgetting my place. Let me be candid with you, Nemo. You have a serious problem, and unless you stay focused on that, there's no way I can help you. Above all, you mustn't confuse me with some woman you've picked up in a chat room. If I feel you're beginning to flirt with me... You'll leave me no choice but to terminate the conversation. Well, I admire your professionalism, Doctor. I'm merely establishing some boundaries. Now, let's see if we can't discover what turned you into a madman. You're married, I believe you said? For 35 years. Tell me about your wife. Was it really necessary to bring her into this? She's the woman you're cheating on, isn't she? Oh, I don't know that I'd call it cheating. If I see a pretty girl in a magazine and imagine myself at her feet, would you consider that infidelity? I'm not disposed to hold people responsible for their daydreams. Well, what goes on in these chat rooms is just another form of fantasy. The only difference is it's interactive. Or maybe collaborative is a better word. I think you're very good at rationalizing, Nemo. Maybe so. Suppose it was your wife who was engaged in these collaborations. She doesn't have the requisite imagination. And if she did, you wouldn't resent her for giving free rein to it? There was a time when I was susceptible to jealousy on her account, but that was long ago.
And would you say, if she knew about them, which I assume she doesn't, she'd be as ready to overlook your dalliances? Again, I object to your choice of words. I think, to gain more perspective on your condition, we're going to have to talk a bit about your background. I was afraid of that. You don't really want me to dredge up all that garbage from my childhood, do you? I'm sorry, but I do need to see you in a little more context. You grew up in Connecticut. On a leafy street, lined with colonial homes. I was an only child, badly spoiled by my stay-at-home mother. And your father? What did he do? He was an accountant. As precise and proper as they come. Uh, every morning, at exactly the same time, he'd leave for his office, and every evening, at exactly the same time, he'd come home. He never deviated by so much as a minute from this schedule. My mother would always have a martini waiting for him when he walked in the door, and before he sat down on the couch to drink it, he'd meticulously adjust the creases in his trousers. I was never allowed to talk to him till he was on his second martini, when he'd grill me on my progress at school. He wouldn't tolerate anything less than perfection. So you can imagine how much I looked forward to his homecomings. It was like living with a principal. How many martinis was he in the habit of drinking? Just two. Never any more, never any less, or uh, any fewer, as he'd have sternly corrected me. The inflexibility of his grammar was nothing, though, compared to the rigidity of his morals. Once, when I was ten or eleven, he found a comic book in my room. Not just any comic book, either, but the kind that, on the noble pretext of deterring crime, devoted page after page to the depiction of depravity. This particular issue, as I have very good reason to remember, featured on its cover a half-naked blonde, bound, gagged, and with a look of exquisite terror on her face. Over her stood a maniac, brandishing a scalpel. I was never given any money, so my father naturally demanded to know how I'd come by the thing. It didn't take him long to get it out of me. I'd stolen it on a crazy impulse off a rack at the drugstore. And how did he punish you for this offense? Did he take a strap to you? Nothing like that. Icy disapproval. Not violence was my father's style. But uh, obviously, in the present instance, the silent treatment wasn't enough. So he went straight to the phone and reported my delinquency to the police. And the cop who turned up at our house looked to me seven feet tall. And after he finished lecturing me about the dungeon I'd end up in if I committed another theft, my father took me back to the drugstore and stood by with his arms folded while I handed a dime to the smirking man behind the counter. What made you steal that comic book, Nemo? Just what you suspect. I was aroused by the woman on the cover. Though, of course, at the time, I had never even heard of sex. You say you were aroused by her, but wouldn't it be more accurate to say what really excited you was her helplessness? A neat distinction, Doctor. Your description of your father led me to it. Tell me, 
Would I be very far off the mark if I ventured a guess he was as strict with your mother as he was with you? In some ways. With her, he was stricter. Oh, not that he denied her anything she asked for, but the price was her autonomy. He wouldn't let her make the smallest decision for herself or even voice the most trivial opinion without running it past him first. In politics, she voted the way he told her, Republican, of course. In church, she took her cues for genuflecting not from the priest, but from him. In other words, she was as bound and gagged, metaphorically speaking, as the woman on that comic book cover with whose plight you, at the onset of puberty, at once erotically identified. What are you suggesting? That what I was really aroused by was my own powerless condition? Let me ask you another question. This chat room you've become obsessed with, is there anything unusual about it? Are the interests shared by the people who frequent it conventional, or are they something more? You're on to me again, Doctor. But you're wrong if you think the women who preside there go in for being bound and gagged. Actually, I was thinking just the opposite. That they're into binding and gagging? Well, some may well be, but most are subtler than that in their exercise of authority. So I'm right. In this room, it's the women who set the agenda. They're all powerful. That's true. Their desires take precedence over everything else. They demand and receive obedience. Much like your father. Well, uh, yes, but so much more charmingly. I think, Nemo, our work here is pretty much done. Already? You're saying I'm cured? I'm saying the next time you return to that room, it'll be with the knowledge that what you're really seeking is your father in a skirt. And that knowledge, I think you'll find, will act as a potent turnoff. Somehow, I doubt it. Why? Well, because of the way I feel right now. And how is it you feel? Even more thrilled than when I offered myself to dear Abby. Is there no possibility, Doctor? None. But you, as a young woman, a splendid, accomplished young woman, you feel nothing, not the least quiver of excitement at the thought of having me, a man so much older, entirely enthralled? Maybe it would be best if I referred you to one of our male counselors now. Don't be ridiculous. Do you imagine anything could induce me to tell some bearded lout the things I eagerly tell to you? Uh, Anita, admit it. It would delight you to take control of me, to subsume me in yourself, to make me an adjunct of your will. I'm sure somewhere in your closet you keep a pair of leather boots with spike heels. Admit you'd love me to kneel and help you put them on. Uh, Anita? Anita? You've been listening to Dialed In, Confessions of a Chatroom Romeo, written by Stephen Bailey, starring Gita Arbor as Anita and Joe Stofko as Nemo, directed by Samantha Mason, sound design by Mike D'Almeida, theme music and editing by Matthew J. Boudreaux. Next episode, Customer Relations.
by Matthew J. Boudreaux. Okay, another chunk of Dialed In for you. Um, DialedIn.OralStage.com, A-U-R-A-L, Stage.com. Um, and we'll have links to get to um, more of the Dialed In series if you haven't heard it already on Radio Drama Revival up on our show notes for the day. Um, yeah, next week we are going to be featuring Ruby. Ruby 9 is out, and we'll be talking um, about that show fe- featuring samples, and we did, uh, we'll did. we be revising our discussions with Tom Lopez about the creation of what may be the last Ruby show. Uh, in the meantime, over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com, featured genres, um, easier ac- access to our archives, and working on the app for you there. Uh, announcements coming on that very soon. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, hit up at Radio Drama, search Facebook for Radio Drama Revival. On iTunes, we're also there. Look for radio drama and leave a review or thumbs us up if you are so inclined also find us on stitcher and tell your friends there too and that is wrap for this week radio drama revivals produced by yours truly fred greenhalgh copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like radio drama revival originates in on-air radio at wmpg fm southern maine's community radio this podcast at radiodramarevival.com's labor of love till next time keep your mind and your ears open thanks for tuning in and have a great week 